Hello, welcome to the Big Scuba Show. Well, my name is Bobby Scully. I'm with Gemma and Ian on the Big Scuba Podcast, and I'm going to be speaking about uh, my uh, Navy diving and my current diving with the Women Divers Hall of Fame. So here we are once again. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Big Scuba Podcast. My name is Ian. I am your dive master for this episode, and with me is. Hello, this is Gemma, and welcome to the Big Scuba Podcast. Yes, we're back. And uh, so firstly, yes, thank you for downloading this episode. And uh, if you are wondering what this podcast is all about, well, you come to the right place. If you're looking for something that involves diving and uh, the watery world, and uh, sometimes we're on the paddle boards, mm -hmm. and then sometimes we're often, well, quite often, diving and uh, we like to get other divers who like the water and you know they're happy to come on and tell us all about their story and their journey into the water really yeah we have quite a mixed bag of previous guests so they range from astronauts filmmakers artists scuba divers saturation yeah, we've divers. been doing this for nearly four years now and uh, there's about as we said there's about 160 episode this is episode 163 and uh coming up on this episode we it's are actually 162 is it <laughs> yes. 162 there we go. <laughs> confirmation there by our illustrious co-host um so coming up we've got a guest for you uh bobby sholly i hope i've pronounced the name right uh bobby is a retired u.s navy captain who has done um a whole manner of stuff which mm. will lead to very shortly um but yet yeah, she's a um, very experienced diver and um and uh yeah one of the first women in the u.s navy to captain a mobile and diving and salvage unit so yes. uh, she really knows stuff and uh, been involved in um serious uh serious some quite serious projects to um you know look for certain things but we'll come back to that in a minute um we've been to stony we've been diving we have yep yeah. a there. week ago wasn't it? yeah and also we've been to the motorhome and caravan show this week yeah that's so, a bit different isn't it <laughs> it is so uh, and we'll talk about that uh in this week and there's also been a stormy old week isn't it so uh <laughs> yeah i guess that's diving done for the uh north norfolk coast well i did see somebody did post that if we have a window of like real calm weather it's not unusual not unknown to dive in not unusual to be <laughs> bit tom jones eh? <laughs> singing in the shower <laughs> anyway so there yes if, <laughs> if there's any clear uh weather windows then there possibly will be some windows left but definitely Maybe unlikely, but South Coast, I guess they can once it settles. Yeah, yeah, I guess uh, for our friends on the northeastern side, uh, i.e., abs and farms, I'd say probably come to the end. I'd yeah. say, I'd say, well, did this, you see this week? St. Abs was there was pictures of the harbour at St. Abs um, on the news, and it was wild, really wild. Yeah, well, yeah. it does get fairly wild up there, doesn't it? Yeah, and, yeah. Um, but... 
hopefully um, everybody's been safe in Storm Babette and uh, it's a lovely blue sky day today. It is. And uh, actually it's been, it's been quite rough down here, actually. We don't usually get it too bad when when there's a storm. Mm. Um, what's the name of the storm? Babette. 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 Yeah. Um, actually, I found something quite interesting. You mentioned uh, uh, St. Abs, and I found this week a, quite an interesting organisation called the St. Abs Marine Station. They're dedicated to marine science, conservation, and education. Um, so, uh, yeah, it looks like they do quite a lot. I'll have uh, to look them up and uh, pay them a visit next time we're up there. Yeah, on um, an area of the country that we know reasonably well now. Mm. Yeah. And they look at climate change, pollution, ocean acidification, and overfishing through marine science. So, uh, and. Based at St. Ab. So uh, have a look called uh, Marie, look them up on marinestation.co.uk. Yep, we'll tag them in the show notes. Yep. Yep. Um, probably a good time to also mention our lovely friends at uh, NART. Um, these episodes are always sponsored by NART at 90, our good friends um, in Wellingborough. Um, yes. If you're in the tech diving, uh, marine diving, um, you know, con- uh, commercial diving world, um, then you may be interested to give them a call. Yes, yeah. And if you've seen our uh, recent social media post, um, if you tag them in, follow them, and uh, then just drop us a DM, we've got a discount code for you to use on the yeah. NART website. So um, that's always worth having, especially as we near Christmas. And you Yeah, might absolutely. And gifts. they do these great things like uh, sheer water, covers to protect you i really must get one of them myself actually mm. um you know got uk stock on, on sheer water dive computers and they, they sell all this sort of stuff especially if you if you're a twin setter or you think about getting a twin set or you think about getting a rebreather um so yeah yeah it's all pretty good actually talking about rebreather i should actually give um, um scott a mention as well because i am going on a rebreather test which i'm looking forward to at stony um we are booked for uh the 5th of november Mm. um all being well so uh, looking forward to that that's going to be on a ap machine yeah Um, so um never dived with a rebreather before and um yeah, I'm looking forward to it because you know it's going to be a whole new experience. I'm going to be going to be limited. I think we're limited to about six meters. Um, mm, so well, that's makes sense if it's a tri dive, but it'll be yeah, interesting to see yeah. how you get on and uh, compare it to normal blowing bubbles. Yeah, exactly. Um, so looking forward to that. Um, and uh, so we'll be on the shelf. Um, but actually, I say the fifth. That's sorry, correction. Fifteenth. I should be 15th. up there. Yeah, is okay. uh, we're doing that. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And we saw some rebreathers when we were at Stony last weekend, didn't we? Um, yeah, it's often people sure. with rebreathers yeah. up there. Yeah. Yeah. So we had um we spent the day Saturday um at Stony Cove, had a lovely sunny day. Um yeah. did our full face mask uh two dives on the full face masks and that all went really well. Visibility yeah. was okay-ish. <laughs> They'd had a lot of rain, so I think it had uh, it had affected the visibility. Oh, it went bad, though. Come on. That no. must have been, I'd say, at least three to four three meters. meters. Yeah. And there were so many fish. We saw tiny fish, pike, 
and carp, perch, perch, <laughs> fish. <laughs> anyway. do, you know, do you know what? What do you do for a living? <laughs> no one needs to know. <laughs> what do you do for that a living? Sell seafood. <laughs> but I'm not into freshwater fish. <laughs> I'm into sea fish. So, but yes, we, the, it was just amazing. Um, yeah, some of the footage we got, and uh, we saw the massive pike he cruised in at one point, didn't he? That was awesome, actually. Yeah. yeah so um, underneath the pub, if you don't know Stoney particularly well, um, on the shelf there, um, underneath there's a pub, and underneath the pub um, there's like, uh, what, do, what you call it, like blockhouse. And um, is there is whole, there's like windows, windows. Yeah. you know, above it as well. And uh, inside that, there's the there's Nessie. It's where Loch Ness monster is. Is is actually people think you know they're at, actually up <laughs> in Scotland, but Loch, yeah, you know, it's Loch a very Ness friendly monster. looking Nessie, isn't friendly. it? Yeah, yeah. and uh, absolutely full of fish at the minute, full of it. Yeah. And we were, we were laying laying towards the bottom, weren't we? Yeah. Looking up, we had a torch pointing up with the cameras pointing up, and all we could see you could see is these thousands of all these small perch all of about sort of couple of inches to three inches yes and yeah. deeper into the uh shoal there's bigger perch mm. on there. Mm. and then you just see this pike just slowly without hardly even moving a muscle just slowly inching its way in and yeah. it just looked amazing didn't it like, it was wow. yeah it was just like it just all unfolded but yeah before our eyes and the fish they just were all around us and they were in yeah. the cockpit as well weren't they yeah. yeah yeah and then yeah really really good so that um, was a good day's diving and we saw some friends from crystal seas there we yeah. saw yeah. john and tony and also their friend kerry as well so yeah. you know, it's great to meet them and we saw george and his girlfriend in their new uh, George's girlfriend's in her new Santee suit. Yes, both of them look very smart. Yep, matching red suits. Yeah, yeah. Trying out the new dry, their new dry suit. Yeah, and we need to give a shout out to Alison at Nemo's, the little cafe and hatch. Oh yes, um, yes. Yeah. We had some stonking sandwiches from there, and uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah we, we didn't. Uh, we're not really massive fans of having great big. You know, I know, I know some people do, and they go and they have the bacon sandwich. Bats, you know, <laughs> what man doesn't like a good bat? You know, but you, when you're diving. <laughs> I, I, you prefer something a bit more lighter, you know. Someone's... <laughs> and uh, yeah, and they do some, they for, I don't know, six, seven quid. Yeah. And uh, we should be on commission. And um, <laughs> you get a box, don't you? Crisps, salad, and sandwiches. They're really nice. Very nice. Yeah. So that will definitely be a regular on our visits to Stoney now. Yeah. 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 yeah so yeah. well done, Alison, for, yeah, sort of changing things around as well. Yeah. We like that. And um, I'm up there again this week. I've got a, um sort of busy few weeks really going up there um so i'm up there again hopefully this week with the with scuba honey uh taking her up there um yeah. for a dive she ought she ought to go see the fish yes that'll be great um, for her yeah, yeah um, i think we're going to do wetsuit because the water's still warm enough mm. well we were in our semi dries, weren't we on we'll probably only do like half hour 40 minutes so something like that yeah yeah. So, um, but she wants to go see the fish. So I said, yes, right, yeah. and it'll be right it'll be reasonably quiet as well. So ideal time to yeah, sort of jump in the water. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, 
And then you're back doing Dive Master GT in a couple of weeks. Fourth and fifth, yeah. Um, I was talking to Ian Mears this morning. Hello, Ian. And uh, he's uh, driving the bus. So uh, the flag will be up and we'll have some slap straps will be out and uh, some 90 voucher codes as well. So although I'll be DMing, um, I'll make sure they're out with the flag. And, uh, you know, if you see the flag, come make, you know, Come and grab one and uh, you know make yourself at home. Yeah, definitely. So and uh, thank you for the people that came to see us when we were at Stony as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, you know, we look we like to try and sort of you know make them valuable and, and give them out. So uh, yeah. yeah, always good uh, as well to uh, leave your name and uh, we can give you a shout out as well. So uh, yes, so that's good. Um, we should also say uh, well done to um, uh, Trudy's been busy teaching. Yes. Yep. So she's been doing IDC staff um, instructor course. Yeah. And our fellow um, their friends at Crystal Seas, John Osmond and Steve Lines, they're also full face mask divers, but they yeah. qualified as they did, IDC. Well, <laughs> yeah. well, um, them too. Yeah. So it's great awesome. to yeah, see them furthering um, their, their professional um, qualifications. So, yeah. 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 So that's really good news. So, uh, well done to them both. Um, what else? Well, Trudy, we'll, we just mentioned, uh, we happened to bump into her, not near the water. <laughs> last oh. week. <laughs> yeah, she just popped out of a motorhome suddenly, didn't she? she did. Yeah. So we went along on Wednesday to the uh, motorhome and caravan show, uh, which is at the NEC. I think this is la- as we we're recording, today's the last day for that. Yes, it's been running six days, Tuesday to Sunday. Um, so it's based up in NEC at Birmingham in the fully UK. Fully booked for the last, what, six days? Yeah, Saturday amazing. was fully booked. Sunday was fully booked. So just amazing. And it was a big show in yeah, lots show. of space to cover. I think we walked nearly over six kilometres, didn't we? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we did some networking. We met some new made some new contacts. And, yes. Um, uh, so that that's really good spreading the scuba message into some different areas and uh, so we need to say hello to those people um, and you know say hello to Matt uh, Motorhome Matt mm-hmm. as well uh, we spoke to online a couple of times haven't we yes yeah and uh, Adam at Baylis we met up with him didn't we Adam Harrod yeah Swift Adria as well uh, the ladies at the camping and caravanning show, uh, camping <laughs> and caravanning <laughs> club. <laughs> yeah, uh, hello to them too, and also the guys at the moat home and caravan club as well. Yes, clubs. <laughs> yeah, so I was just amazed at how busy it was, um, and the the amount of motorhomes that we saw and caravans just incredible so it just shows what yeah. an amazing um industry it is and uh yeah hopefully um we'll make some new contact there's one i particularly i, I quite like um there's a few there which you know there's the new endeavor which is uh bailey's new elect fully electric one yes with uh in conjunction with ford um so full fully electric transit based motorhome that's all now, now kitted out with like recyclable re- recycled yeah. materials and we need to like say that. it is a concept car so they're not in production but it no. is like their concept um but yeah very good ideas with all the recycled interior so they've done that with baileys swift had this awesome 
and what was that called the extreme or something yeah they, they're more meaty looking motorhomes that was like a van based uh souped up thing which is actually uh up for a competition wasn't explorer, it explorer i think it was explorer, called yeah, yeah and that looked awesome um imagine how you dive kit in that yeah yeah and we saw motorhomes with like really big uh what you call garages, garages. at the back yeah, yeah where you can store all your bikes or dive kit but dive kit you know some of the pull out trays that they had could easily take 50k mm. so you know by the time you put a cylinder in or a couple of cylinders you know you can load that right up that whole yeah uh yeah. garage area all your dive kit yeah and then we saw like the smaller versions like the vw transporters you know they they were some really chunky mean machine mean looking machines as well yeah uh, sorry, electric bikes, all sorts. So just everything, yeah, to cover um, motorhome life and caravan life. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah really enjoyed it. Yeah. So thank you it? for um, organize, the organisers and uh, we'll be looking forward to sort of talking more about that. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that was really good. So uh, if you went, give us a shout out and uh, let us know and uh, let us know what you thought. That'd be good. Hear your comments and thoughts on it um okay should we talk about our guest yes so bobby sholly so she is also um part of the women divers hall of fame so we've spoken to various uh ladies from the women divers hall of fame but she was inducted in two thousand in the year 2000 yeah. yeah yeah and she's also been the um uh, been on the board of directors of the women mm. divers hall of fame uh vice president from 2007 to 2009 president from 2010 2011 um and uh yeah she was um uh, we said you know she was the first u.s navy captain of um U this u.s mobile and diving and salvage um yeah. unit uh, the fourth woman in u.s navy history to take command of a u.s a ship. naval ship yeah. you know yeah. um and also her Obviously, being a woman at that time in the U.S. Navy, you know, it's amazing what she achieved. Yeah. Her training. Um, she didn't even she wasn't even a diver before she went into the Navy. Well, she, no. she just saw them doing it and thought, I want to do that. And that's how um, she got in. But she obviously tells the story um, in the podcast. Yeah, but a very. Um, yeah. Um, she's been involved in uh, various uh, operations including the T, uh, recovery of the TWA flight 800 mm. in 1996, uh, USS Cole and recovery in uh, Aden, uh, Yemen in 2000 with the USS Monitor, um, and it just goes on. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, amazing lady. And, uh, yeah, she's got a great story to tell. Yeah, and um, also just looking at some of the other member of the ISSU College of Science and Hall and Arts Hall of Fame and also does um, consultant work. Bobby's the recipient of the Beneath the Sea Diver of the Year Award for service in 2012 as well. So, yeah. Um, and I first came across um, uh, Bobby on social media actually a while back when she was being consulted and asked questions on the uh tragic events of the ocean gate submarine as yeah. well because you know that's what she knows all about as well so um so that was uh, quite interesting so yeah um 
a, la- a very capable lady and it was really good fun to talk to wasn't it? yes yeah so um that is episode 162 yeah so let's get her on let's get her on so this is episode six, uh, 162 of the big scuba podcast that's awesome and that's really good um you know that you've joined us today and so thank you very much for giving us your time um so i suppose one of the first questions bobby is that we've got is uh, how you know you've done so much over the over the years you know with uh, being in the u.s navy um you've done some really technical diving you've been the fourth woman in in u.s history to command a u.s ship first woman to be in command of a diver and salvage unit uh, and the list goes on and you've been president of the women divers for fame you've been one of the directors you're still involved you know how does someone like yourself get involved in diving you know what was that first thing that you know made you spark to say hey i want to see more of the underwater world well uh, and it happened a long, long time ago, and it really just happened by accident. Um, I was, you know, just going along, minding my own business. I went to college, um, and I graduated with a, a degree in biology, but um, I was in college in the exact middle of the United States, nowhere close to the ocean. And I was, you know, graduating with this um, degree, and I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. Um, and uh, I didn't necessarily want to teach, I didn't want to go into industry. And so um, I accidentally talked to a Navy recruiter. And, you know, he told me all these cool things, you know, you can join the Navy, see the world. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Maybe I want to do that, you know, for like maybe four years or something and figure out what I want to do with my life. And um, so I did much to the horror of my parents, you know. Um, So they wanted you to be something like an accountant in a bank, something like that, Not, not the US Navy. Yeah, have you got no. you've got no military background in your family? Well, actually, my father had been a sailor in the Navy wow. well before he ever got married and had children. You know, he was a sailor back in the 1950s, which was a whole different Navy. You know, uh, that was not uh, the Navy I joined was not your father's Navy, you know. (laughs) And so he was thinking no daughter of mine was going to be in the Navy that I was in in the 1950s. Of course, things had changed a a lot um, by the time I joined the Navy in the early 1980s, 30 years later. But in the 1980s, um, there were not very many windows open to women yet. Um, it mm. was still very much an all man's military. And um, I had a degree, so I uh, fortunately went in as a naval officer. Um, and it just worked out that I was in the right place at the right time. And when I talk to young women and young men about what they want to do with their lives, I often tell them to, you know, set their goals. But I also tell them to be flexible because you never know when opportunities are going to present themselves that you're just not aware of. Mm-hmm. And all throughout my career, opportunities have come to me that I didn't even think of at the time. So I joined the Navy 
um, as a naval officer, and I had no idea what would be available to me. And right at the beginning, an opportunity came to me. And that opportunity was, there was a ship that was available for me to be assigned to as soon as I got my commission. And there weren't very many ships open to women in the 1980s. I mean, we weren't allowed to go aboard the destroyers and cruisers and that kind of stuff in the early 1980s. You know, that was not that was not legal at that time. But um, for my uh, commissioning class, and there weren't too many women in my class, there was one ship available to women, and it was a submarine repair ship out of Charleston, South Carolina. And I would just happen to be uh, graduating high enough in my class um, that I was able to select that ship because I was thinking, gosh, if I'm going to be in the Navy, I want to be on a Navy ship. Why yeah. not? I'm yeah. just, you know, I want to see the world. I want to do all this cool stuff. I want the adventure. Well, I might as well do it on a ship, right? Yeah, you got to uh, be stuck behind a desk. Right. Uh, if I'm going to do it, let's do it right. Yeah. So um, I uh, was assigned to uh, this submarine repair ship for three years. Um, so I, w I went from the middle of Illinois to get commissioned as a naval officer to Charleston, South Carolina, to a Navy ship when wow. I was... 23 years old, wow. you know, uh, and had really That's never young, been isn't it, ocean. to be doing that? It was. And, and the Navy put me in charge of a division of like 40 sailors. Wow. The age of 23. <laughs> but that's the way the Navy works. You know, they yeah. put young, young junior officers in charge of sailors um, as uh, on board ships as division officers. You know, they send us to school and teach us, you know, how to be um, beginner leaders, you know, to teach yeah. us the beginnings of being leaders. And um, so my first job was the electrical officer aboard this ship. Um, you know, it wasn't easy, but, you know, they were training us to become leaders. Yeah. And um, it was fascinating. So on this uh, submarine repair ship, you know, our jobs or mission was to have submarines come alongside the ship and then we would repair and re and resupply the submarines and send them back out to sea. That was our main mission. And so, of course, they had a um, unit of divers assigned to the ship because, you know, you have to repair the submarines below yeah. the water line, yeah. right? Because most of the submarine <laughs> is under the water. Yeah. It makes sense, you know. <laughs> um, so they had um, a detachment of divers assigned, which I found obviously fascinating wow that's kind of cool and guess what they had one young female sailor who was a diver with this detachment of divers wow. and i'm like oh wow that's really fascinating women can be divers in the navy who would have thought <laughs> and um so you know i was really fascinated by that and um it just so happens that uh, when you're on your first ship as a junior officer, you spend 18 months in one job, and then they assign you 18 months on a second job during your first three years on your ship. And the diving officer um, retired early, and they didn't have a new uh, another diving officer assigned to come in and take that job over. And um, I was just really fascinated with the divers. And... Um, 
the master diver who was the senior enlisted diver assigned to that um, noticed my fascination. And he talked to me and I talked to him and about it. And um, he gave me some very, uh, very good advice. And he said, um, uh, you'll never know if you can do that unless you try. Yeah. And I kind of took that to heart and, you know, I had to jump through a lot of hoops and um, convince my captain of the ship uh, to take uh, to take a chance with me. And um, uh, but ultimately, I convinced the my chain of command to send me to Navy dive school, which was um, 16 weeks. And um, they sent me what we called temporary duty. And then I came back to the ship as the diving officer. So can I, so when you went ahead and uh, spoke to your commanding officers and they then started to, they were going to take a gamble. Had you done any diving at this stage? No, I had never. You know whether you were going to like it or not. I had never snorkeled. I had never (laughs) done anything but, um, you know, swam in a pool and in the the Illinois River. So I didn't have a clue if one, if I could do it and if I would like it at all. Um, And what was was dive school like? Did, Did everybody there know that they wanted to be a diver because they'd got previous sort of experience? No, it was a whole collection. And and I have to tell you, um, you know, it's not easy getting into dive school. There's a quite a rigorous um, qualification process, including a very rigorous physical fitness process mm. that you have to pass before you get accepted into dive school. Uh, and of course, you have to be able to run a certain amount uh, in a certain time period. You have to swim. And I was a pretty strong swimmer, so that wasn't a problem for me. You had to do... Um, setups, um, which, you know, wasn't a problem. Um, but then there were the dreaded pull-ups, oh. <laughs> which you had to do a certain amount of pull-ups um, in order to get into Navy dive school. Well, you know, I I grew up in the 60s and the 70s, and girls did not do pull-ups <laughs> in my generation. We did the bent arm hang uh, which oh, yeah. probably yeah. nobody knows has ever heard of um, if you weren't my generation. So girls did not do pull-ups. I had to start from zero, you know, and work my way up to, um, you know, six, seven, eight pull-ups in order to get into dive school. It was it was wow. quite a, um, a challenge for me. and But I was determined, you know, that I was going to get into dive school. And um, and then, you know, I had to do I had, we had to do more pull ups than that in order to graduate from dive school. And then um, every six months during my diving career, I had to pass my um, semiannual um, physical fitness tests, yeah. which for divers included pull ups. Uh-huh. So I had to continue doing pull ups my entire diving career because I was a Navy diver. And then I retired and I have not done a pull-up since then. I'm just going to say, how many can you still do? <laughs> I I don't know because I have never time done if you want to demonstrate, fine. You wake up and yeah. <laughs> no, one, I two, don't do three. any more pull-ups at all. You know, I just don't feel the need to do any pull-ups yeah. now. Yeah. But um, it, was, it was the most challenging, um, both 
uh, primarily physically, but also mentally um, mm -hmm. a school that I've ever been to, but it was the most rewarding. Um, yeah. When I finished dive school and got my dive pin, it was absolutely the most rewarding experience. I was just so, you know, and I've done a lot of things uh, before and afterwards that I've been so proud of, but um, getting that dive pin was really the proudest I've ever been. Yeah. So were there many women within your dive school or was it? No, no. no. And there's still not very many women in, in Navy diving. Um, uh, normally uh, there would maybe be one or two. Um, mm. I don't remember I, where I fall in the pecking order of, um, of uh, women who have graduated from dive school. The very first woman to graduate from Navy um, deep sea dive school was Donna Tobias and she graduated in 1976. Um, I graduated from Navy dive school in 1983. Um, the first uh, woman officer to dive uh, to graduate uh, graduated in 1980. So just three years prior oh, to me was the first mm. naval officer, um, uh, and it was there were three of them um, that graduated from the same class. Very good friends of mine, and all three of them are in the Women Divers Hall of Fame, as you might expect, <laughs> and. Um, and then in my class, um, probably the, maybe the first and only time there were two of us in my class, myself and um, Karen Lynn, who's a very, very good friend of mine. And again, she's also in the Women Divers Hall of Fame. We're, we are very good friends even to today. Yeah. Um, and uh, but very unusual for two of us to be in the class yes. at this yeah. time. And it was wonderful, actually, yeah. um, because throughout my entire career, um, uh, it, it has been unusual for me to have another woman, you know, alongside of me in mm. anything that I've ever done. Yeah. yeah. It must be amazing to have been in, you know, part of that evolving time of the U S you know, the U S Navy is the biggest Navy in the world, isn't it? And it's a huge uh, concern and uh, to be involved in that change as as the U.S. was Navy was evolving from the in the post-war years, from as you say, from you know from the fifties onwards, how that was then changing, and women were get being allowed to take command of ships. That you know, uh, that's it is you know, it must be absolutely amazing to be part of that. It, it truly was amazing to live through that period. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of changes, a lot of things that happened again, that, um, I was in the right place at the right time. Um, you know, I worked really hard. I did some things that, you know, I just never in a million years thought I would be uh, able to do. Um, I, um, saw some changes that I never thought would happen in my lifetime. Um, I, I Such love I, I never thought I would see women be able to command uh, Navy combatant ships. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I, I didn't think I would ever be able to command a Navy ship. And, you know, I got to command a, a ship um, fairly at fair, a fairly young age, as it turned out, because I was a Navy diver. I commanded a Navy diving and salvage ship. Yeah. Um, and, and I, part of the reason I, moved into the diving and salvage um, area of the Navy was because I thought it was the only way I would get to command a Navy ship, which was yeah. a big goal. What was of mine. the name of your ship? 
Um, I uh, commanded the USS Bolster. It was uh, a salvage ship out of Long Beach, California. Uh, and at the time, women were only allowed aboard auxiliary ships. Um, we were not uh, allowed on board combatant ships yet. So I thought it would be my only shot at command. Yeah. Um, subsequently, women, you know, probably because of tailhook, which I'm not sure you would be familiar with, but it was a, a big scandal that happened in the Navy um, uh, where, you know, it was kind of a big um, uh uh, scandal with um, some uh, at a convention of aviators where they um, treated the women there very badly and mm. it all blew up. And, and so it caused the Navy to really look at the way that they were um, treating women in the Navy and it spread throughout the military. And it, um, you know, and it got into the politi politics and it really made the political um, uh, side of the country and the, the military look yeah. at what we what we should be doing with fifty percent of our population with regards to um, the military, and mm -hmm. I think it caused us to um, reevaluate um, uh, how we want our military to work. And um, it opened up doors much earlier than I ever thought it would. And, you know, yeah, it's really we had to. <laughs> yeah. 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 So what was your day-to-day -day work on a dive boat? What, what were you involved in? What, you know, physically, what were you underwater? A lot? <laughs> well, or... not, not nearly as much as I would have liked to have been because... <laughs> As a, as a naval officer, you know, our job was leadership and mm -hmm. um, and uh, coordination and running the show and, and safety and training and keeping our sailors, um, uh, the care and feeding of our sailors. Yeah. And so our job was not turning the wrench and, um, you know, uh, making and blowing bubbles. Um, so that was the job of our sailors. Um, and uh, I got to dive when I could, but mm. not nearly as much as yeah. I wanted to. And that's okay because um, I wanted to be a leader in the community and I yeah. wanted to make things better for the divers and the rest of my sailors. And I don't regret any of that. Um, mm. Yeah, that's I, I love being in the water but I also love taking care of the people that, um, you know, we're doing the work. Yes. So what, where did you get to with your diving um, in, in regards to technical diving? Cause um, where did you, how far did you get? Um, well, I'm very proud to say um, that I have 19 dives on the USS Monitor, which is in 240 feet of water off the coast of Cape Hatteras. And those are mixed gas surface supplied um, dives. And the Navy uses um, uh, nitrox yeah. um, as opposed to the Heliox that the um, recreational mixed gas divers use. So we use nitrogen oxygen um, in our mixed gas uh, diving. 
And so Monitor was an operation that, uh, again, I was really in the right place at the right time because I had command of Mobile Diving and Salvage Unit 2, which was the uh, Navy command that was um, the leading uh, command, which did the monitor expeditions in 2001, well, 2000, 2001, and 2002, which was uh, working with uh, NOAA, a government agency here in the U.S., the National Ocean uh, Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration, which was in charge of the maritime, uh, the monitor national maritime um, sanctuary um, that oversaw the USS Monitor, uh, which is a uh, Civil War ironclad uh, ship that sank in um, 1862. So um, the mission was to stabilize the monitor because it was starting to really disintegrate and then bring back some uh, major artifacts, mm. um, the steam engine and condenser, and then the, the gun turret uh, and the two um, large cannons over the course of three summers. It was and the first Cape battleship, wasn't it? It was the first ironclad yeah. uh, battleship uh, in, during the Civil War. Yeah. And so, um, uh, and because it was so deep, um, you know, obviously uh, it, uh, we, we used both mixed gas and saturation diving in order to do all the work. So it was about, then, for us, for us, it's about 80 meters. Yes. The, as we always go by meters. Yeah, it's incredibly deep. <laughs> it was. It was very deep and um, took a lot of man hours because, you know, it was upside down and um, and it was buried a little bit in the sand and silt. And so we had to do a lot of prep work. And then eventually, <clears throat> excuse me, eventually, and we had a big uh, Derrick crane out there, a 500 ton Derrick crane that we had to use um, to lift the turret off the bottom once we got it all prepared. And we didn't want it to disintegrate on us, you know, because it had been yeah. in the water for 140 years. And, you know, so archaeology, which is not the Navy's mission, but in that case, it was the, the mission. Um, did you get any um, advice before you started doing or When you started looking into the project, did you like, because... It kind of there's similarities with what you did there with lifting when we lifted the Mary Rose. Yeah, it's those similarities yeah. of being really delicate. So, although yes. the 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 depths are not the same, you know, the mm -hmm. Solent is you know forty meter forty meters, I think that was if, if that, yeah, if that, yeah. yeah. We uh, you know we were working for the archaeologists. Um, the NOAA archaeologists basically well, they were my boss and. Yeah. Um, and they were there with us the whole way. Yes, all, during all the planning, the archaeologists were right there and the engineers. And um, and because we were using surface supplied um, mixed gas, we had the big helmets on with the mm -hmm. um, cameras yeah. and um, communications to the surface. So the archaeologists were right there in our ear the wow. whole time we were up. We were um, working on the um, on the wreckage. Yeah. I shouldn't call it wreckage on the monitor. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so every step of the way, um, the archaeologists were basically walking us through what we we're doing. And every uh, dive was planned out meticulously prior to the divers going down oh. to work. And we were working in, you know, of course, two person teams and sometimes three person because then the saturation diver would come and work with the two mixed gas divers. It was... Um, an incredibly complex operation. We were there 45 days, um, roughly 45 days each summer, working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Wow. Uh, we were living, uh, actually living on the barge for the um, yeah. entire time. 
And um, it was a huge operation. We we had, um, you know, about Did 120 you divers. Um, it, you know, it would depend. Um, we, we, some days we had great visibilities, other days um, not so great. Mm. Um, but um, with the, um, the rig that we were using, um, it wasn't too bad. And um, uh, the, you know, the cameras and that sort of stuff um, helped out a lot as well. And then we had a helmet mounted, you know, great helmet mounted uh, lights on us. And we had an ROV down with us also that was providing additional um, lighting. Amazing. Um, yeah. 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 And it was, you know, the way technology has come, even in a, you know, a decade is just incredible, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. It, it's, um, I, I was just at a, convention um last week that i spoke at uh the oceans 2023 uh, um that the maritime um technology society was running and i walked through the convention hall uh all these amazing technologies the the <laughs> underwater autonomous uh, you know submersibles and all this sensor and sonar and you know just um technology that <laughs> you know, I haven't seen in over 20 years and I couldn't believe the progress we're making in technology these days. Just fabulous yeah. progress. Yeah, and you must look back and think, wow, after, <laughs> from your yeah dive school days to where we are now. Yes, uh, you know, it's so wonderful to see that sort of technology mm. and, the, and the the way industry is really throwing smart people and smart, um, you know, and good Good but with money it, into it but as technology enhances with these things so we can um live and work underwater it brings more risks doesn't it because you know we we want to look after the oceans but there's people out there who also want to use that technology to also do harm and you know take the resources from the the planet and uh from the seabed and what have you and it is, it, I suppose it's difficult about how we find that balance. Do you, did you, with this Oceans 23, did you get that sort of come through that, you know, it's, it's good to enhance stuff, but then how do you use that to safeguard the the seabed? You know, there's a big, um, I was reading something just recently about how some of our wrecks, um, especially out in Asia, are no longer protected and the, the metal, is taken from the wrecks um, because they're pre-atomic um, properties. And this, you know, as as technology enhances, how do you protect those sort of things happening? You know, it is such a big question, and and um, I think we really have to jump on this before we get too far advanced. It's kind of like mm. the big question about AI. You know, yeah. our technology is just running rampant, and we have to get our hands around the ethics of where we go with technology before it gets away from us. Um, the th same thing with our oceans. You know. The the oceans are, you know, our number one natural resource, I guess water yeah. is, but the ocean is, you know, 97% of uh, water on this earth. And this technology that we're starting to use to just um, explore more and more of our oceans, which is this huge resource for us, 
cannot be used to exploit this resource. Yeah. It has to be used to help utilize and protect this resource. And we have some governing agencies, but these governing agencies are hit and miss and they're not all um, under one, um, you know, one overseeing government agency. And, and um, you know, I, I should be more attuned to this, um, you know, and, and I don't know what, whether it's the UN or whether it's somebody else, mm. um, but we need to get wrap our arms around this where we have one overriding, yeah. um, uh, you know, governing agency that looks at how we take all of this and we use it for good yeah. and not for bad, as you're saying, but, um, Exploration is is fabulous, and it's always been um, uh, a way of pushing the envelope and helping us to to move forward. But we have to do it in a way that's um, one safe, um, and we have to do it in a way that um, is good for the yeah. planet. Yeah, and and yet. Um, we haven't been doing it in a smart way, in my opinion. And, no. and we as divers, as lovers of the ocean, have to be a big part of that equation. Yeah. And a lot of us have NGOs uh, or we have nonprofits and um, we have so much to be thankful for, um, for what the ocean has given us. And, and I think a lot of nonprofits realize this. I was so pleased to see at Oceans 2023 uh, talking to a lot of people that were involved in nonprofits who are just as passionate as, uh, you know, my nonprofit is about this and just as passionate about bringing the next generation into this because the next generation is so smart. Exactly. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but, but we can't be complacent because it's just going to get away from us if we don't uh, jump on it. Yeah. yeah. Today's episode is sponsored by Knocked at 90, so let's find out a bit more about them. Knocked at 90, their tagline has been beyond technical, which describes them pretty well. John Routley and Brent Hudson launched the company over 20 years ago. They are both technical divers who have logged thousands of mixed gas dives between them over a 30-year period. Using their engineering know-how and diving expertise have developed bespoke personal, commercial and military diving equipment and products of a universally recognised, unparalleled calibre. Their ability to be adaptive and versatile with their developments led them to support the NHS during COVID. Using their superior knowledge of breathing and oxygen monitoring systems to help develop emergency ventilators, they also design and supply the sneaky stuff used by defence-based development groups throughout the Western world, although they can't tell us much about that. If you're thinking of moving across to tech diving or completely new to diving, Knocked at 90 can advise and guide on the best equipment and setup for your personal or commercial requirements. Knocked at 90 have unparalleled experience of shearwater dive computers and are the longest serving and sole and UK European service centre for those. They are happy to offer technical support, servicing, 
repairs and upgrades to all Shearwater computers, past and present. Narked at 90 stock Shearwater computers, but are also stockers and technical support centre for many other manufacturers, including Divesoft, JJCCR, Hollis, Revo and Kiss Rebreathers. Based centrally in the UK, Narked at 90 also offer full rebreather head servicing for selected manufacturers. Bespoke cable assemblies. Advice on specific fitting requirements. Suggestions and guidance for home builds. Computer laser cutting and engraving. Pressure testing to simulate 400 metre dives. So, Narked at 90, a reputation built on supporting both manufacturers and divers worldwide. Go to narkedat90.com and make sure you are following their social media to keep up to date with their latest news and offers. Narked at 90, large enough to cope, small enough to care. Years ago, we could say, we could eat, we could argue that we were uh, not aware, we're not educated, we don't understand climate change and things like that like we do now. And we, d- we, could, uh, we could argue that, you know, as... Uh, big organizations evolved they could argue and say well hey we didn't know we didn't know the importance of the seabed and what lies in it you know but as technology evolves and you know the planet kind of gets smaller because there's big players left and only a few of them well you know it's down to them big players to say well actually some of that money probably should go into protecting it and you know there's uh, for the good of us all, really, I guess. I think that's probably the, the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, and there are lots of, like, individual pockets of, like, these amazing, like, NGOs and individual yeah. groups. But, yeah, they all need to be brought under a massive umbrella to, yeah, get the strength there. And the yeah. But everybody doing their little bit is doing something, and that's, yeah, the most yeah, important bit. So after you left the Navy... Where did diving or where where did you go from there? Well, actually, um, when I retired from the Navy in 2005, um, I came home um, to raise my twin two-year-old daughters. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it was a huge, huge, uh, you know, um, change of um, environment for me <laughs> to go from uh, being the commanding officer, uh, leading uh, <laughs> upward of 200 sailors who listened to every order I gave them to coming home to um, trying to lead two two-year-old um, toddlers <laughs> who listened to nothing that I told them to do. So, That's you know, funny. wow, what a change of pace for me. Um, <laughs> But, you know, um, it uh, it did change my perspective a little bit because um, I, I did suddenly realize that, gosh, I have to change. I have to protect this planet because I have two little people that need um, this planet to be around yeah. when I'm gone. And um, and I have to think about uh, education because, again, I have two little people who, um, you know, uh, need an education that is good for them and good for, um, you know, the future. And um, so, um, you know, um, I'm not going to be out there like maybe other people that retire at uh, my age and are off, you know, diving in Fiji. 
um, you know, <laughs> with their with their husband, who also was a Navy diver, you know, so hubby and I are not going on vacation to dive for two weeks in Fiji. We're uh, staying at home with the toddlers and uh, thinking about the future. Mm. So, um, you know, I, I uh, and, you know, I didn't really need to go to work for, you know, some big company and uh, make a bunch of money because, you know, what is money? Um, we had everything we needed, um, which was two little toddlers to take care of. Exactly. So, um, <laughs> so nonprofits were, you know, uh, they gave me the flexibility to do what I wanted to do, which mm -hmm. was to, you know, give back. And um, uh, so you know, I jumped into, you know, PTA and all that kind of stuff and the Women Divers Hall of Fame because it was uh, an outlet for my diving you know, my diving fix. Yeah. And, um, and it also was a nonprofit that um, had a real mission, which was to provide um, uh, mentoring to n young people who had a, a love of the ocean and the underwater right. environment. Um, and, and also, I could meet really amazing divers from all over the world, which I did. Um, and uh, it, it worked out really well for me. Um, and I threw myself into that and the mom role, obviously, uh, my daughters are in college now and doing wonderful things, but, um, you know, it really is, uh, a goal of mine that we need to bring this next generation forward because they're really smart. Um, they, they know what they, they know what they want. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, they are the way we're going to fix things. Although it's still incumbent upon my generation to not give them a bag of worms to have yeah. to fix. Yeah. So um, um, as Ian said, um, you know, we can no longer stick our head in the sand and say that climate change is not a thing. Yeah. It is a thing. And we uh, have to stop doing what we've been doing and, yeah. um, and start, you know, being responsible yeah and I think we're all you know intelligent enough now you know technology has gone on and we know exactly you know the causes and the results of any future action so yeah so it's good so on a day-to-day -day basis what is your involvement in the Women Divers Hall of Fame well um I have over the years, I've um, taken a, a strong leadership role in the Women Divers Hall of Fame. Um, actually, the year the year that I retired from the Navy, I got a call asking if I would um, uh, if I would be interested in being the vice president of the organization. <laughs> you know, because uh, after all, you're retired from the Navy; you don't have anything else to do. And and um, I said. Okay, what do I have to do? And so I uh, stepped up to be um, to a leadership role as vice president, and then eventually, you know, fleeted up to president, um, and then became a trustee, and then the board chairman. Um, so that happened, you know. So for like the first ten years, I was in a leadership position, which meant um, because we don't have a brick and mortar. Um, building that we run mm -hmm. this since it's an international organization we meet a couple times a year we do a lot of fundraising our biggest um uh program is our scholarship and training grant program which uh we we run annually our um application period just um opened up september 15th of this year yeah. at, where we um 
uh, have our applications on our website. And our website is www.w for women, d h o f.org. Um, and you can go on our scholar, you know, just hit the scholarship page. Yeah. Um, and it walks everybody through it. We have scholarships um, and training grants that cover everything. The scholarships in archaeology, conservation, um, photog underwater photography, training grants for basic scuba, for advanced scuba, um, for uh, everything in between. Medical tech, uh, diving medical tech with our wonderful Chantel uh, at Newman, and um, who you've spoken to before. Um, education, diving education. We have um, hard hat, uh, a, a training grant for hard hat diving. We have almost anything you could uh, think of. Last year in 2023, we awarded 46 individuals um, scholarships or training grants that totaled uh, over $68,000. Wow. Um, Amazing for those and out of those 46 individuals 25% of those individuals were from outside of the US so you know this is That's not good. something that is you know strictly for divers in the United States this yeah. is all over the world um people are uh, applying from all over the world and and getting these awards so anybody that's looking for funding for either a research scholarships or to learn how to dive or to improve their diving, um, you know, go to our website and take a look. Um, uh, but do it quickly because the, you know, the application period uh, closes, um, I think it's the 30th of October, something like that. Yeah. But it, they open, we have these every year. So if you miss yeah. this year's window, look for next year. But it's, it's because we want to continue to one give back because most of us who are members of the women divers hall of fame um were helped at some point mm. in, in our career and we want to help those that are coming up behind us and we want to grow these other smart people women and men some of them are available to men um because uh we want other people to keep helping you know and 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 keep the underwater world um uh, safe and also uh, continue to to help uh, the our oceans yeah. Um, yeah. continue to thrive. Yeah, and you're you know the people that are looking at Women Divers Hall of Fame can look at all the amazing people like you and see what you've achieved and just where a diving leads. You know, it's just you might just like do a tri dive and then look at where you could be next. Yeah. Yes, um, part of our other mission, besides providing the um, scholarships and training grants, is we try to be mentors mm. to um, other people. And, you know, if somebody is looking in a specific area and they, you know, just want to reach out and say, you know, I have a question about this particular area of expertise. We have we have members that are all over the all over the world yeah. and um, they can always email our in, you know, our information email. And when we look at those and we try to, um, you know, match people up, we also mentor in other ways. This past summer, um, you know, I'm a veteran, obviously, and we uh, have a program where we um, mentor um, veterans uh so this past summer, I uh, went on a project 
with a group of eight other uh, veterans, uh, United States military veterans. Yeah. And uh, we worked with the U.S. National Park Services. Um, and the program takes these, um, and they were all women veterans. Yeah. Um, imagine that. <laughs> Sorry, Ian. <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I'm all for it. It's all good. Uh, and um, we, um, the women veterans get um, trained in scuba through another nonprofit called Waves. And so they get their scuba qualifications. And then um, once they're qualified in scuba, um, the, the Waves program and the National Park Services work together to set up this one week pro uh, project where um, they then um, do a uh, a mission mm -hmm. um, where they go to one of the underwater national parks and they um, clean the um, debris off of one of the coral reefs. Wow. And then they use one of the wood off uh, military divers. And this summer it was myself um, as a mentor to go along as just, um, you know, big sister, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. or an older sister in my case. <laughs> Must and, be very um, rewarding, yeah. And so I went diving with them for the week um, off the coast of um, the Florida Keys in Biscayne National Park, um, which is beautiful, obviously. And so for five days, we dove in, you know, scuba. Um, and we uh, dove every day um, off of a boat off the coast of the Keys in Biscayne National Park on the, the park reefs, picking up junk off of the uh, coral reefs like um, fishing pots and fishing line and rope and, you know, mm. aluminum cans and just all sorts of debris and the weights that they put in these pot, lobster pots, you know, to weight them down and anything that was killing the reefs or was battering the reefs when the storms come in. And um, during the, uh, over the course of the week, we removed 5,000 pounds of wow. junk off of these reefs. Nine women, nine older That's... women, <laughs> nine hey, little old women. Age? What's age? Age is nothing. nothing. Just a number. When you're in the when you're in the water, it's nothing. And um, so we removed five thousand pounds of debris off of the uh, coral reef, and we bonded. A bunch of women veterans bonded, and we told sea stories, and we sing you know, <laughs> some shanty songs. Yeah, we did, <laughs> and we swore a lot. <laughs> no, when you're not. at it. <laughs> telling war stories you swear a lot which you know I don't do anymore <laughs> um, and it was such a great time and we felt so good about what we did um, you know we didn't touch a fraction of what was down there on these beautiful really? reefs yeah. but we but then they, they, some back yeah but all those women that you were diving with they can then tell that story and it's just spreading then isn't yeah. it yeah 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 that message gets out there yeah. It's amazing because you think, you know, when you look back of your history and, you know, you've been involved, you know, with the, we've already talked about the monitor. Uh, you, you've been involved with the T, TWA Flight 800 recovery. Um, what's the other one? U.S. Coal. Um, you know, the, the list go on and you can then share your experience to people like, you know, these veterans to do 
good for the reefs and things like that. And it, it is brilliant, you know. Uh, yeah, uh, all, all for it. It just all sounds really, really good. And it's really good for the people's mental health as well. Yeah. You know, well, so, yeah, brilliant. We all know that diving is good for your your soul. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what's um, have you got any plans for the future for Women Divers Hall of Fame? Any more projects going on? Um, well, uh, we we all meet in uh, for one of our semiannual uh, gatherings in November uh, during um, the DEMA conference, yeah. which is uh, you're familiar with DEMA. Will you guys yeah. be there? Not one this year, year, but one week, we year. will one year. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's in New Orleans this year, which uh, should be quite fun. Um, so we'll all meet in New Orleans in November this year and have our semi-annual uh, meeting. Do you know Tech? Tech Clark, do you know Tech? Oh, uh, not, uh, I mean, I know who he is. I don't know that I've ever met him, but uh, I am uh, LinkedIn friends with him. So oh, cool. yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever last met him. Year. We said we, we will get over there one year. Yeah, we will. Yeah. Oh, yeah, wonderful. It's just amazing. All the, the diving community and it makes the world much smaller than it is with all these people that connect through diving. Yeah. It absolutely does. It is a small world and, you know, it just shrinks every time you turn around. Mm, yeah. yeah. But then there's some amazing characters in the diving world. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, you wouldn't want it any other way. No, exactly. <laughs> That's what makes it so vibrant as well. Um, yes. But I've got another question. I'll just before we get on to our set questions, I saw you pop up on, you was asked, um, about your your thoughts really uh when the tra uh, uh, tragedy happened with the ocean gate uh submarine um with early in the year i i saw you'd been asked about that why did they why did they come to you about that to ask you your opinion on that submarine um I'm on the role you know i'm on the uh list uh for most of the um uh, the cable news networks ah. because um, because of my background with mm -hmm. uh, deep ocean salvage, um, probably from TWA and, yeah. and so forth. Um, and I'm one of the few retired Navy um, sal salvage officers um, probably here on the East Coast. Um, I did, uh, I re did a lot of the interviews during the Malaysian uh, 370 yeah. um, aircraft uh, um, tragedy and um, uh, a couple others. And so they have my because number. Because they never found it. No, no, they didn't. Um, and, and, you know, that's one of the biggest problems with deep ocean salvage is the, the search phase. Mm -hmm. um, which was a problem we had when I was in the Navy also um, is you, you can't salvage until you have located the object that you're looking for, yeah. um, which is why this new technology, this, um, these uh, autonomous underwater vehicles and um, sonar and that sort of stuff, uh, the new technology just gets getting better and better, which makes your chances of, um, finding the object that has been lost. Will. Do you think the, they ever um, will get to the, the bottom of what ever happened? Um, 
only if somebody is willing to pay the large amount of money that it'll yeah. take to deploy the um, search assets again. And, you know, technology is getting better and better. And so mm -hmm. the technology is there, even though it's a deep ocean and, um, uh, you know, the longer it stays out there, the harder it'll be. But it, it just depends on how badly somebody wants and how much mm -hmm. money they want to pay for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's another thing that people, they just think, oh, it's something that's dropped in the ocean, but it's the vastness and the depth. You know, yes. That is really, to some, you know, it's, it's incomprehensible how, yeah, we, what we're talking about, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. And the variables, uh, the more variables you have, like mm. the deeper it is, the harder it is. And the fact that they didn't have a good starting datum like mm -hmm. with the Titan, they knew exactly where to start from, yeah. which made it, uh, um, I don't want to say easy, but a much easier um, search problem to begin with because they knew exactly the starting point, yeah. even though it was very deep. But, um, but with MH370, they had no idea where the starting point was. No. They kind of did, but it was a huge mm. area that the starting point could have been from. Yeah. Um, and that made it so much harder. And then you add in the, the depth and then all the other variables. Um, there were so many really outstanding question marks as well, wasn't there? About oh, whether yes. did a U-turn, whether it went on or, or, yes. or what. And obviously there's other people out there spreading conspiracy theories and things like oh. that, which all help to blur, you know, actually oh. what facts are, which is never good. Yeah. So, it's terrible. Knows? We've just got to rely on technology for the future to yeah advance and keep advancing to make these yeah. things easier. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So um, you're you're a very confident person, and uh, you know you've been in charge of many people over the years. What sort of thing gets you out of your comfort zone? <laughs> oh, uh, gosh. Um, you know, I've got I... a theory. I've got a theory, <laughs> and I wondered whether. And I, whether I'll be right on this or not, whether when you went from being in command of a couple hundred people, actually, here's a question before we get to that. What, what was the hardest thing? Telling your children what to do or telling 200 men what to do? <laughs> um, you know, it was really hard. Um I was scared to death of messing up my kids. You know, <laughs> I really didn't want them. Yeah, I mean, all yeah, all parents are, but uh, you wouldn't believe the we number of mistakes. Parenting books that I bought. No, you know? no, I had because you know my husband and I we waited much later in life, obviously, to start uh, our our parenting uh, uh, experiment. So yeah, I I was really. Um, worried about messing that whole thing up one at my advanced uh, at my advanced age. So, yeah, I really worried a lot about. Uh, oh, I'm sure you've done a great job. Oh, <laughs> our daughters are fabulous. They're in nursing school right now, and they're wow. fabulous, and they're just the best girls. So, yeah, we're yeah, so awesome. proud of them. Are they diving? Yeah, really lucky. They just got their scuba. Uh, while I was in uh, Florida doing the uh, National Park Services, the uh, the girls uh, went with me and 
and they um, got scuba certified. Oh, that's um, awesome. Key Largo, you know, wow. because Key Largo, who doesn't want to <laughs> get scuba qualified in the Florida Keys? They loved wow. it. So um, we should have done it earlier, but, you know. Well, at least they've done it now. Yeah, age isn't a barrier to do anything. They've really loved it. Thank goodness, uh, because we were a little worried. (laughs) But (laughs) they've been asking for years, so they they really do love it. Oh, that must make you proud as well. It does, yeah. 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 So what about the comfort zone then? (laughs) Um, You know, I I really do get nervous every time I have to get up and speak in public. (laughs) There's the... conference that I spoke at. It was actually the gala that I spoke at last week. I was the uh, one of two far uh, people to speak at the far side chat. And the other speaker was uh, an Apollo astronaut. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know, a national hero. <laughs> so, Who's that? Um, Mr. Fred Haas, Apollo oh, wow. 13 astronaut. Mm. Fred Hayes. Fabulous, fabulous speaker, and he was such a gentleman. And I was, I was kind of freaking out, you know, uh, the whole time getting ready. And my husband, you know, was, oh, don't worry about it; it'll be fine. And I was really, I was really worried. It turned out fine. It was really a lot of fun, and he was such a nice man. But, you know, an Apollo thirteen astronaut. What an Come experience. on, give me a break. <laughs> It was so much fun and I'm really glad I did it. But the whole time I'm like, why? How could you ask me to speak with this Apollo 13 astronaut? I mean, we're that's like, what am I doing up here with this <laughs> but guy? But you've both been to extreme places. That was the whole, that was the whole theme, you know, extreme highs, extreme yeah. lows. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, think who it'll be yeah. next time. <laughs> Your next speaking <laughs> event. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Public speaking does still kind of get me. Mm. Yeah. So another question we ask all our guests is if you could take three people diving, they can be past, present. Who would you take under the water and why? Oh, my gosh. Would I take three people? Golly. Um, I would love to take I would love to take Barack Obama um, because one one i just think he's such a great guy yeah. um and i think he would be a lot of fun yeah and um you know and i think he and i wouldn't worry about him because i think he would be you know fine i don't know if he dives or not <laughs> um he probably does already but um and i think he would um um uh, i think if he doesn't already dive, I think he would really get a lot out of it. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, I think he would, um, you know, he would um, appreciate it. I yeah. think he would really appreciate the experience. He probably already dives, but. Um, um, <laughs> yeah, I, just, I could see that he dives. I would, I would have thought he dives. Yeah, he's, and he's from Hawaii, he probably does. Yeah. But um, plus, I just, you know, I would love to interact yeah um, i don't think we've had that one before no nope. that's a new one yeah well you know it's kind of a hard political time right uh, around here right now <laughs> so politics is kind of a hot thing uh, you know kind of a big thing right now um and then um uh let's see oh i should have been prepared for this um two i would take you know 
uh, I would love to go diving with um, Zale Perry. I don't know if you know her. She's a member of the Women Divers Hall of Fame. She's one of our legends. Um, she is um, a, a lovely lady. She's, um, um, you know, she's in her late 80s or 90s. And um, she is just a sweetheart. Yeah, I mean, she's already a diver, obviously, but I'd love to go diving with her because yeah. she's just, you know, she's like, <laughs> like touches my soul. And, um, you know, and... And last, but, um, you know, I would just, I, I would like to take, you know, some young girl, you know, that just has never even, you know, some young girl, like from the inner city of Washington, D.C., you know, because we're close yeah, here to Washington, yeah. D.C., that um, has just never in her never in her life ever thought about doing something like that who's not afraid of the water yeah and you know that that would just never have you know that's probably the best choice isn't it because yeah. you know that you know you're showing somebody who probably would never have that chance yeah yeah, yeah. so uh that, that's brilliant well um i'm gonna put you on the spot for one <laughs> final time um and I'm, we're gonna give you a billboard okay and on that billboard, the whole world can see it. And you can put whatever you like on it. It can be a message. It can be an image. It can be a video. It can be a picture. But it's going to be your thing. What is you? What, what are you going to put on it? I'm going to put um, a video on it of, um, of girls from all over the world um, experiencing just pure joy of the oceans, whether it's, you know, little montages of them at the beach, interacting with sea life, um, snorkeling, diving, mm -hmm. um, together, diverse girls, you know, just, um, just loving the oceans, yeah. and um the sea life and um and then at the very end i want them to see a scene of you know that big sheet of pollution that comes mm -hmm. yeah. across the ocean you know and what we're the devastation that we're doing yeah yeah and that's how to make that change yeah 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 no very really? good yeah, yeah, very, very strong good. message. Yeah, that's very good. So, you, you know, they're different answers to what we've had before as well, which we always like from our guests. Yeah, always something very individual, which is which is great with a great yeah power behind them. So, yeah, thank you for that. So if people want to find more about you and the Women Divers Hall of Fame, where are they best to get that information from? Um Yes, please go to our website, uh, the Women Divers Hall of Fame website at uh, www.wdhof.org. <laughs> the thing I have to walk through the letters, uh, and um, you know, uh, my profile's on there too. But really, it's just the the whole website. Uh, yeah, I'm. That's my current job. There is I'm the the web coordinator. I do the website. Yeah, <laughs> yeah great. So, and if anybody's got any questions, they can just email. And 
yes yes yeah that's a great email us there yeah yeah big collection of some really great women who have done some great things so uh, yeah it's awesome so uh if you listen to this get along there and uh have a look it's brilliant it's been fascinating talking to you it's been absolutely brilliant and um you know uh you know we hope that you know you've enjoyed it as well so uh thank you very much for for coming on you know that's been brilliant yeah Um, wonderful i've had a really great time and i hope to see you uh guys at one of the demas soon yeah Yeah, no i'm sure we will we'll get there yes (laughs) not this year but maybe next year definitely so i appreciate you guys having me on it was a lot of fun no thank you and uh, we hope you have the rest of a nice weekend Thank All right. Thanks, Bobby. That's great. See you soon. Take care. Yeah. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Well, we got to say thank you um, to Bobby for coming on, uh, Bobby Sholly. And uh, don't forget to look at the Women Divers Hall of Fame, WHOF.com. So, links are in the show notes. Yes. Don't listen to me. Go there and have a listen. How cool was that? That was absolutely Yeah, very good. Yeah, yeah, no, she's got such, well, a very um, strong, powerful lady doing all that she's done in such... Sorry, sorry, sorry let you into a bit of confession. No no one's listening, are they? So that's just, that's just me and you. So... Uh... What? <laughs> I was a bit nervous because well, she's been, you know, in charge of many men and captains <laughs> and, you know, I thought, wow... Could be she's gonna give you orders. Yeah, I'm gonna get me orders, you know, and uh, stand stand to, you know, and uh, what have you. But she was awesome and uh down to earth and friendly and um yeah, uh just really good conversation, I thought. Yeah, and you can see what a um great leader she would have been. Yes, and I thought as well, I might be wrong, but I thought when she was talking about you know, the environment and uh, some of the other things and even like Barack Obama, I, I thought she, you could see like she was moved about mm. talking about people and things that she believed in. Yes. Yeah. And she's on, you know, it's a powerful place or organization. She's a part of the Women Divers Hall of Fame with so many amazing women that have. See, this is the bit, this is the bit what I was kind of, I don't know. Sometimes I, I can't quite word what I'm thinking you know because I kind of think you know with people uh like Bobby and uh, not just Bobby but people who've had her experience got those connections got that influence right that it's gonna be down to people like Bobby who's mm. got that connections and understanding because we haven't you know well I'm just a gardener and whatever, you know. I, I haven't well, done everybody's got their different but levels. My point is, my point is, right, as organisations get bigger and more and big business get involved in things like that, they, they will be speaking to people like the Bobbies of this world for consultation and understanding when – and hopefully, if these big businesses and organisations have got a conscience as they evolve and get bigger, that, you know, they'll take this the stuff on board, the yeah. advice on board. Because well, we've, they, we've only got one choice, one chance, haven't we? And my point is, if we, we can't ignore it. No. And, well, it's until things get really grim and bad that people start taking notice, isn't it? And that's the unfortunate world that we live in. But with people 
like the Women Divers Hall of Fame, they've got the voice. Yes. That they can, not just the people of Women Divers Hall of Fame, but their influence to empower people to come it's and big. look at scholarship, scholarships yeah. and get into the underwater world, the marine biology, that they're the people that are going to, you know, take things forward. In gonna, they are going to influence the decision makers. Mm. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. Know? And I thought influencing the decision makers. Yeah. Who did we have on? Sam Howler. Remember a while ago we spoke when we spoke to Sam. Yeah. And Sam was getting these, and that was to do with COP 26, was it? Mm. If I remember right. And um Sam was getting all these facts together um, with her research and that would go and educate, I say with inverted commas, the decision makers. And it's going to be down to the the people in the Women Divers Hall of Fame and and NOAA and national parks and people in this country as well. All the NGOs. All to help, you know, tell these people that when they then are in charge of navies and in in power and all that that they will think hey on a minute you know we've got to also bear in mind what's actually going on as well at the moment it's all right with technology you know but that's got to be responsible as well yeah it's pretty basic there are people the ai is yeah there are people there are people with voices but you need people to listen and that is when things will work. Yes, exactly that. Yeah, simple. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, simple. So, but brilliant, you know. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, very good. So hopefully if you're listening, look up Women Divers Hall of Fame. It's a very easy website to look at. And you can look at all the amazing women there. It's like a, a hall. It is literally Hall of Fame, isn't it? You can yeah. just like scroll through, read about them. Um, and yeah, if you're looking for scholarships, uh, funding, it's a good place to go. So if you can, you've only got a little bit of a window left, but for next year, yeah, start planning. And It is. It's a big collection of, of, of some women who have done some amazing things. You only got, you know, put a pin in one of the names and look at it and think, wow, you know, as somebody's done something amazing, you know, and we spoke to quite a, quite a few of them now. We yeah. have. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we'll have to do a little uh, hall of fame social media post of all the yeah. people that we've spoken to. A mini big scuba hall of fame. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we've, yeah, I think we've got quite a few episodes where we've spoken to some members. Names come to mind. Uh, this is certainly not all of them. Uh, obviously, Christina Sonato, uh, Chanel, Chanel, Chantel Newman, Berger, Wilms, yeah. Julianne Zeifel. Yeah. Um, who else have we had? Uh, uh, Jill Hyneth. Jill Hyneth. Becky Kagan Scott. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there, there is a big number. Of there them. is. And there's more on there as well because we've done 160 episodes. <laughs> Can I just say that? Yes. Well, no, <laughs> when this comes out, it'll be 161. I know. What about that? <laughs> yeah. So, it, yeah, do have a look back at our previous episodes. Um, there is lots of variety, men, women, astronauts, filmmakers, underwater photographers. Mine clearance crew who get the pants, pants out. Yeah. <laughs> so. We didn't ask for that. And I was, you know, that's actually for your benefit, not mine. <laughs> uh, yeah. Pair of budgie spuckles, yeah. 
anyway <laughs> so, we should get them back on again actually because that'd yeah. be good to catch up with them in yeah. fact didn't we talk about going down there to go we see did, having a dive or do we did we yeah. did so, yeah, so, uh, got so hey, you know, it's so a different much world do. now isn't it yeah. you know yeah. so they're probably busy so yes but anyway if they are listening hello and uh yeah it's all, it's all we do look back on happy times if you haven't listened to that one go back it is uh one of our first years probably we first yes year. yeah yeah we spoke to them yeah but we have to get some um links to the episodes out but if you've got any suggestions for guests for the future we're yeah, always yeah open so you just send us an email direct message on social media we are kind of chocker uh for the rest of this year but we will oh, we, can always try and squeeze, we can try and squeeze them yeah. in can't we yes yeah yeah so i think that's uh we've covered everything just want to say thank you to narked at 90 for sponsoring this podcast yeah. um it's coming up to that time of year where everybody's thinking about christmas gifts so you have a look at narked at 90's website which is who www90 tell us who, who is this <laughs> what is it they do if you haven't heard of narked at 90 they are where have you been yeah, they're specialists. Uh, they do a lot with the technical diving world. Um, rebreathers, they service dive computers. They hold lots of stock um, of anything to do with diving. Now, we should mention this because they do hold lots of shearwaters in stock in the UK. Now, they're the only ones. So if you are looking on the internet and think, well, hold on a minute, I can get that elsewhere, I can buy it online. Yeah, you might have to, but then they'll have to have that delivered in. Mm. And then there'll be a waiting time. But hey, you might be diving in a couple of days' time. You want to get hold of a dive computer. Maybe you're new to diving. You're thinking, I want a peregrine. I, you know, Gemma dives with a peregrine, loves it. And it's great. It ticks all the boxes. It looks great. does everything you need. Go to Nart at 90 Go on the website or even better, phone them up, phone mm. them up. They've got them in stock and you can have one the next day. That's and we're it. not just talking about UK people because Narc no. at 90 are based in the UK. If you're worldwide, you can still contact Narc at 90. They are amazing people and they can make everything happen. So, yeah, yeah. if you've got any questions, you're a bit Ooh. stumped. She, uh, also, if you, <laughs> if, you, if, you're, if you are a home build rebreather there's a place where you can go get them serviced as well i just want to say it before i forget oh, i had a strong coffee it. earlier so it's probably why. <laughs> yeah so narked at 90 at 90.com so look at their website or even better give them a call because there's always somebody really friendly to pick up the phone and, and they've got sweets yeah if you order anything you your package will arrive and you'll have some sweets inside yes Right. Yes, they've got lamps and also they've got canister as well for looking after stuff as well, which we mentioned in the last episode, which you would have heard if you listened to the last episode. Yeah, so have a look at um, yeah social media. You can see us, we post about Narked at 90 on quite a regular basis. Um, but yeah, I think that's uh, Narked at 90. So we all just want to say thank you. Yeah, and don't forget to share this with your buddy, um, if they are wondering and looking around for podcasts to listen to, tell them about this one. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review because it helps them find us. Yes. So, And then we'll, we'll be back after this episode. We've got... Um... We're talking to somebody else on Monday, aren't we? And Friday. <laughs> Who are we talking to Monday? Chris Lemons. Oh, yes. Last breath. Mm -hmm. 
Come on, who's seen the film? If you haven't seen the film yet, get get. I think it's on Netflix. If you uh, what, have a look, look at the film Last Breath. In fact, I might look at it over the weekend and uh, rejig because I always think about how, how he went. I've got to get this right. He went right and not left. Okay. And I need right. Have you not? Have, have you not seen it? Uh, not no. I have watched it. I think. Ah, sounds like you need to watch it. <laughs> I might need to. Look. I have many questions that I'm going to be asking. So, but anyway, this is yeah. So look out for that episode; it's coming up. Yeah, look forward to that. Yeah. Right, I think that'll do for now. Yeah. Uh, we'll say thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. As Gemma said, there's a whole load of other episodes out there, so go back and uh, you know have a listen. If you're on the run machine, you want some have a listen to it the weekend go back and have a listen so uh, there we go i'm done and uh i think uh this is <laughs> you go lie down in the dark room i'm gonna go down and <laughs> lie down in the dark room where off this... yeah but anyway thank that you. coffee before we oh, come on shush. thank you for downloading and uh thank you for listening to the big scuba podcast yeah and so from... it's still going on <laughs> For me, that was it in Bungie, centre of the universe. <laughs> we'll look forward to hearing you on the next one. And right now, that was... The Big Scuba Podcast. Now that does wrap up today's episode of The Big Scuba Podcast. But if you want to hear more from the podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe or follow button depending on what platform you are listening on. That way, you will never miss an episode from us. But if you are listening on Apple Podcasts and did enjoy what you heard today, we would really appreciate it if you head to the show page to leave a five-star rating and review. It really does help us. If you do, please take a screenshot of that review and send it to us on Instagram and we'll give you a shout out to say a big thank you. If you have any questions for us, or anything that has been mentioned in today's episode, be sure to reach out to us on any of our social media platforms or send us an email. The links are in the show notes. We will get back to you no matter what. If you have made it to this point in the episode, we both want to say a big, big thank you for tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode.